Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, how do we raise good humans? Do some parents just get lucky with easy children, or perhaps they have some kind of special superpower to know what to do? Are there steps to follow, specific things to avoid? You probably all know by now from listening to this podcast that reading all the books, well, we're supposed to yell, hit, or ignore a child into being good. So what is the secret sauce? For this, we have invited Dr. Aliza Pressman on the show today. Dr. Aliza is a developmental psychologist with over 15 years of experience working with families. After co-founding Seedlings Group and the Mount Sinai Parenting Center, she began the Raising Good Humans podcast to bring the latest research on child development directly to parents. She's bringing her expertise and backgrounds to listeners every single week and starting a new community around evidence-based parenting practices. Dr. Aliza is an assistant clinical professor in the Division of Behavioral Health Department of Pediatrics at Mount Sinai Hospital, where she's the co-founding director of the Mount Sinai Parenting Center. Welcome, Dr. Aliza, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Hello, thank you. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Very exciting podcast host to podcast host. (laughs) But before we jump into how to raise good humans, which you've become a specialist in, can you tell us one thing that lights you up and got you so interested in helping people raise good humans? Um, I think what really lights me up is just people. (laughs) Um, I just am so utterly fascinated by how we come to be who we are. And when I was younger, I just took, I actually failed psych one <laughs> um, in undergrad. So I, I freshman fall at, at Dartmouth, I took psych 101 because I was like, I love people. This will be interesting. And then I, I really don't know what happened. I think I went thought it was like a survey course that nobody would notice if I showed up or not. And anyway, needless to say, I didn't think I would ever go into psychology. So I was like, well, that will be my big mistake in college. And uh-huh. I'll never have to think about it again. And then I, of course, figured out that I was interested in children and how they come to be who they are and what are the ways that we can help support kids and you know, there's so much that's not in our control. And mm-hmm. so what I, I took a, cl- like I took a few classes to make up for the fact that I had failed psych one oh my gosh, in undergrad. Like so I had to take some classes before I applied to graduate school. And I took like all the intro classes to the arms of psychology mm-hmm. and I took abnormal and counseling. Oh, I loved abnormal. Well, you know, all of them. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to developmental, 
I was like, it was like speed dating. I just fell in love because I learned about Bowlby and attachment yeah. theory and um, about uh, different kinds of Eric, Eric Erickson. And this is all enough, means nothing to anybody except for you. But <laughs> I, I just got super excited that people had spent so much time learning about this unfolding of the mm -hmm. human. And I just started to think how cool that there is this one environmental influence that actually does make a difference because obviously biology is a huge thing. Um, and it was parents and so and caregivers. And so I just got so obsessed with how we come to be who we are and how those environmental influences might help support or prohibit that development. And then just, I got pregnant while I was doing research. And so I started to think about, I actually had a colleague who was also pregnant at the same time. We kept going to each other with questions and thoughts. And then we thought it would be so nice to have access to this research, but not have to be in a dusty, you know, academic journal mm -hmm. or in mm -hmm. the archives somewhere, yeah. but actually at your fingertips what's relevant and what's really just interesting, but not super relevant. And that was kind of what, that's the most long-winded answer, but I just thought it was so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like you just plugged in and then it was ready to go. That was, it sounds like it was like a match made in heaven for you. It really was. But I mean, after many years of not knowing what I was doing, but yeah. being super interested in, um, you know, just starting to realize as we do in our twenties, like what gets our, get, yeah. gets us excited and what lights us up. Yeah. And then of course I had kids and I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and also just compassion so for parents. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's very humbling. It's so humbling and it doesn't matter how much, you know, it really doesn't. I feel like people ask me that a lot. They'd be like, you know, your children are so lucky. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. And you're so lucky to know so much. Like your children must be so well behaved yeah. and they must just be so like, they're really easy. And I was like, what? No, <laughs> I, I said, it, you ask me anything about your children and I can talk to you about that. I will probably have lots of takeaways for you, but in my own house, I feel like I know nothing half the time. Yeah. I am like, because it's so emotional, right? Like, yeah. you're like, I know how to raise good humans in the same way that I know how to talk to kids about tough topics. But when you're in the moment it's with your really own different. child and the emotions are there and the frustration is there and you're so invested it's very hard to stay clear. And I still have the voice right here in the back of my head. Like, usually I'll do something and I'll be like, hey, is that really the best you can do? <laughs> and I'm like, in that moment, yeah, that's that's what I had in that moment. And that's just the honest feeling. Do you feel like that too? Of course. I often, because I, I used to do these, I mean, this sounds horrible, but these assessments of parents even before I was a parent where mm -hmm. you'd score like how they're doing in these interactions with their babies, toddlers, young children. Mm -hmm. When you went back when that was something, you know, at an age when you could do that. And then once I had kids, I would often 
have this voice in my head like I would give myself a, a score of highly intrusive like mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah you failed. <laughs> I failed basically um and but I also I, I think the benefit of this work is that I'm I'm completely I, I buy into the idea that we are not meant to be perfect and yes. so my failures are opportunities to show my kids that you know there's no expectation no matter what yeah. that we're going to get anything right all of the time. Mm -hmm. And so I might be too easy on myself because of that, but I do have that voice all the time. Like if yeah. somebody were watching and my oh. kids, cause I have teenagers yeah, same. very Pretty often. Much. Yeah. When I, when I do say or do something that is in complete contradiction to something that I might've said, <laughs> they'll point it out and they'll say, is this, would you like to put this on your website? Yeah. Well, it's, it's like so but, humbling. Yeah. yeah. So it's so kind of like, yeah, we do our best, but it's, yeah, it's far from per perfect. I was curious because of who you are and what you do. If you had the chance to be able to equip parents with like one to three tools that like anybody could use at will, like they had it they knew it and they had it in their parenting tool belt in order to raise good humans. What would those tools be? Um, okay. Well, first I'd say one of the tools is figure out what good human means to you because mm -hmm. it's not going to mean the same thing to me as it does to you, as it does to someone else. And so figuring out like, what's your North star, what do you want your kids to say about you? or your values when they're looking back on life, what mattered to you for them and what matters to them. That to me is the first thing you need to do so that you always have something to kind of go back to. And then you can say like, in my dealing with this particular challenge, what's most important, like in the big picture of things. Mm -hmm. And if I can figure out like, how is my response aligned with my values? then you can keep yourself from getting swept up in what someone else is saying or pressures from your community that don't necessarily align with your values or whatever it is. Mm. And so I think the first thing is really just getting to know our mission statement. What, what for example, is yours? Like for you in your family, <laughs> what does it mean to raise a good human? Well, so I'll say I don't, and I struggle with this because I have to write about this a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't say what mine is, my, mm -hmm. my sort of mission statement of like parenting values. And that's only because I don't want to do that to people. Like mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want, it's not that I'm trying to be secretive. Like I have some secret answer that's so special. It's more like <laughs> if I, if any of us says like, you know, kind, curious, uh, passionate, I'm just mm -hmm. making things up. Like Will that somehow accidentally influence? Anyone? I mean, it's not a bad thing. Kind, <laughs> curious, and passionate. I would be like, hey, that's not bad. That works, you know. I um, mean, it, it works. It's just if you're saying things that you know are contradictory to their values, just, maybe. Yeah, if it's contradictory to somebody else's yeah. values, or if they're like, you know, I'm 
these are this these are my top three because you could have lots of values but your mm -hmm. top three or four yeah. that yeah, you yeah, really yeah. think like if my kid grows up and has a sense of x y and z yeah i feel like i did i did the work i needed to do right that Good to point. me is like less important what mine might be mm. yours might be because i don't think any of us can quantify that like good what good means but we mm -hmm. all know in our hearts what it is for us we just mm. do it's like right, right. you get it but you can't really um say that someone else is gonna have the same thing although i think people are more aligned than not when you really I think so i mean i feel like you know that word like kindness for example like i mean i think a majority of people would say yeah, I think that that's a you know a good good thing for kids. It's like a good one, but I've had like clients who have said kindness isn't in my top priority because kind people don't necessarily, you know, have the drive and the persistence and the uh, sort of sense of assertiveness that maybe I want. I don't want them to be walked all over. Whatever mm. it is that they associate with kind, but I agree, like kind is 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 definitely up there. Um, so anyway, mm -hmm. I would say finding whatever that is. And then um, if you can't, I think it's fun to do if you have a partner to sit down and like, you can, there's a there's a pretty common psych exercise of uh, journaling for five minutes, kind of, if you look back, what would you want your kids to, how would you want your kids to describe you? That's yes. not you know, and anything sort of like that. How would you want others to describe you? And then after you've just written freely for five minutes, circle the words that stand out for you. It's a very easy way to find your kind of North Star for parenting because, Love that. you know, if you think, okay, I pulled out these five words, but my focus is on my kids' grades and whether they're, um, you know, which again, maybe your thing is, education and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever and right, so achievement or something and that is yeah. aligned so there's no mm -hmm. judgment right you just want to make sure that when you pull out those words of your free form thinking that you get to a life that you are living today with your kids so that would be my first thing and the second thing is breathing i think we probably you know if we can practice not making any decision unless there's danger imminent danger and then of course you don't have time for anything you have to go no. right to your stress response but there's no danger and it's like you can take a pause the best tool in your toolkit is to say nothing and just take a breath and decide how you want to respond and you just can't decide how you want to respond if you don't take a breath you'll end up being reactive and then mm -hmm. that's and then I think the third big tool is to, I mean, these are very, um, I mean, repairing those relationships and forgiving yourself when you make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I yeah. tend to say a very cheesy line. I love cheesy. Feelings, it's pretty cheesy. All feelings are welcome. All behaviors are not. And I, yes. I do really feel like that's an, another easy tool because you can ask yourself like i'm dealing with this situation with i don't know my six-year-old came home and uh dumped their backpack on their sister's bed and like made a mess i don't mm -hmm. know i just don't know where they came from but <laughs> so 
so it looks like that child's feelings, like in anger, let's say this was an angry kid and they just did something angry, but it was harmful to someone else or disrespectful or whatever. You can ask yourself, like, am I welcoming the feeling? Okay, I'm naming it. You're feeling this way. You can validate that feeling. And also all behaviors are not welcome. So, okay, we can't, that's not something I can let you do, even if you're feeling this way. Mm -hmm. So let's put guardrails up and some limits. And then you kind of know how to answer all of your conundrums because you have taken a breath, have welcomed the feeling, and then decided what the limit is so that you make sure that there are some guardrails around the behavior. So if you were let's flip this. If you were able to eradicate one thing that you feel like parents sometimes go to when a child is misbehaving or to get them to behave or comply or unquote seem, seem good, right? Seem good, not be good, but seem good. What would that be? Um, you know what I really think should be eradicated is like forced early. Ch- this is for earlier childhood because I think later childhood mm-hmm. things get a little bit more sophisticated. But like with young children, the auto response of like dragging a kid over to force an apology mm-hmm. because I think that it does exactly like it makes you look like you did good and you're forgiven and all is well, but it's meaningless and doesn't teach you about mm-hmm. empathy and doesn't teach you about what you could do in those moments. It just doesn't even make sense necessarily. It's inauthentic. I feel like that's one that I could do without. So in that moment, since people are listening and going, oh, okay, whoops, I've been doing that. So <laughs> what would you want them to do instead if they hit their sister, they threw the backpack on the bed and dumped it out in anger, uh, they threw sand at somebody and got in their eyes? Like, what is the thing that you would want them to do in that moment besides taking a breath that would help them have a more positive response and help to raise good humans? I would, once they're in a calm space, mm-hmm. so that they're not hysterical and incapable of hearing us, I might, if if they are, I would probably want to say what happened, you know, name exactly what you observed, not with judgment, just like witness, and then say, what do you think you can do to help this kid feel better? Mm-hmm. Like when we just, they might come up with, I could say, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but I would want them to try to think like, okay, I did something that hurt someone else. I'm, I'm not an evil creature. Like there's no part of this that's shaming of like, you're a bad kid. You're a great kid. You did something hurtful. What do you mm-hmm. think you could do to help Sally feel a little bit better about this? And then see what they come up with. And I think walking them through what happened that could help support making this other person who's been harmed feel better just helps expand their empathy. And of course, some kids aren't ready for that for a day. Like it might be, you you know, you, you aren't, the other kid might not want to receive that apology. The other kid might not want to receive that. I don't know, maybe you made them a, a flower, like who knows, but it's yeah. just the the reframing of like, let's think together about what you could do to be helpful. Yeah. So I'm curious then if let's say the behavior that in that case, 
that we were just discussing, the behavior happened once, okay? This is like a response that happened this one time. Yeah. What now when uh, often when, when adults get really triggered and, and frustrated, they're seeing unkind behavior that's happening maybe over and over, right? Yeah. Siblings arguing every day. It feels like, you know, Groundhog Day and calling names, peers, teasing or bullying or ostracizing, uh, children hitting and throwing toys at other children more than once. Like we've already been through this. We already did <laughs> breathing. We already did this response. Yeah. So what would you want parents and teachers to do when they're seeing recurring unkind behavior, still a good kid. Okay. But this is what's happening. What would you want them to do in at home or at school in that kind of circumstance? So with recurring stuff, first, I would want to know like, what is happening in their day and in their environment that is setting them up to fail? It mm -hmm. may be that they're, they're not ready for certain people to be around them or sandboxes if it's throwing mm. sand like if you keep throwing sand in the sandbox don't take your kid to the sandbox anymore they're not mm. ready for it right. they've shown you they're not ready for it so take them somewhere with um you know a different sensory activity when they get a little bit better at not throwing it at people then you can move back to the sandbox if they mm -hmm. throw it you say, it looks like you're still not ready, we'll keep practicing. And I think reminders, like prepping them in advance, you're going to the sandbox. Remember, we keep the sand in the sandbox. Mm -hmm. We can't throw it at other people. When we throw, when we want to throw it, you need to, you know, throw it outside of the bucket into the sandbox, whatever it is, mm -hmm. be really specific. Um, so, I, and then I think we have to get comfortable like this. You're not ready for this. We're, mm -hmm. we're leaving. And without the guilt that we feel that we're going to somehow ruin them because they just really are so upset right now. Kids get upset. It's a bummer. Right. And upset. I love the the whole idea of like parenting for the long haul, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's like Jess Leahy maybe yeah. said that, but that you're, you're not just parenting for that moment, right? What do you want your child to know about interacting with other people in the long run, in yeah. that moment, you feel really crappy. Like now you have to leave and not to mention you were just talking to so-and-so's mom and it was yes. like the first time of the day, the week that you finally are having some adult conversation. It's frustrating for everyone. I remember that so well when my kids were young, like you just love those like parenting interactions. It's hard to leave. So yeah. It is, but we are, this is such a long game. These little minutia moments are not meaningful themselves. They're just laying the groundwork for wiring a different way mm. of responding. And so right. it's just so nice to remember, like, this is a moment. It didn't go well. We have <laughs> many other ones. And if our response continues to be in that category of like our, or in that North Star area of this mm. is aligned with my hopes and dreams for this child. I think it works out. It's just a long game. Mm. It is. And we know that parents now are, they're struggling with a lot. I mean, there's a lot on our shoulders these days. Yeah. There's no question. It's, this is not easy. Nobody thinks it's easy. Okay. I, I, people who are thinking, saying that it's easy. It's no. Okay. They probably either don't have kids or 
I remember when I thought it was easy. It was before I had kids, right? So parents and kids are just being honest here, struggle with, I mean, they study with struggle with screen use and mental health concerns, uh, exposure to porn sites, you know, consent issues, perfectionism, failure, the list goes on. And clearly this depends on age and development. Yeah, often we we don't talk about these things. And I know on your podcast, certainly on my podcast, we do, you know, broach a lot of these tougher topics. So what do you see as as some of the most pressing issues? You know, your your work in Mount Sinai, your, you know, your work with people that you're doing all the time. Like, what do you see as the most pressing issues that parents need to address with kids right now? now? And and what would you say are the top messages that you want to send parents about those issues? <sighs> well, I mean, kind of universally, one of the things that is just getting confusing for parents is the outside messaging of, of in, in the greatest, you know, <laughs> with the best of intentions, all the support that we give parents with information, and I do it too, um, can sometimes overwhelm parents. And so some, so the, the big thing that I wish I could like lift from parents is it is so hard. And also it's not that complicated. Mm. Mm. So there's just like the same answer to almost everything is really hard to believe. It's hard to believe that it's like validate the feeling, make sure that you've, um, you know, taken that breath, validate the feeling and give specific and clear limits that are appropriate for their age and temperament. Containerize that's, that. Somehow. That's it. Yeah. Like it's not as, so you could get the most complicated question or the most simple question. And the answer is pretty much the same, but it is so hard to believe that. And I think that mm. the big thing that parents struggle with is also being okay with the range of feelings people have. Like it's so painful to watch your child experience mm. the, the feelings that are not super easy, the more challenging feelings. Yeah. And so if, if parents could believe that challenging feelings are not the end of the world. And that actually knowing that they're as temporary as our happy feelings, we would be a lot more confident as parents. Oh, I, that's such a, that's such a moment this there. I just want to highlight that, that they're just as temporary as those good feelings. They're, they can be fleeting. And we sometimes do see it, right? Like our, our kids really angry and we're we're like thinking about it and we're like ruminating about right. it and we're like going over what happened and what did we do and what did we say and where did things go wrong? And then they turn the corner and all of a sudden they're like, okay, I'm going to go outside and go ride my bike with yeah. so-and-so. And you're like, you were just furious with so-and-so like you, 
but you've, you've just crushed yourself over it. Crushed. Right. It's so, but like when your kids are laughing hysterically and giggling, you're not like, oh God, they're going to be happy forever now. You know? No, just wait. You're like, wait, they're laughing too much. It's going to go wrong really soon. (laughs) So it's just, I think that would lift so much from parents to not be so afraid. And I think that's one of the mental health conundrums is our misunderstanding about mental health as if it's, it means that you're having easy feelings all the time. And that's not mental health. Mm, right. It's more of like the being able to deal with the Just being able to have feelings. the feelings. Exactly. And, yeah, right. Wow. That is an, it is much more of an eye opener. And because, you know, parents do want to, to try to solve the, the issue as quickly as possible so that we can get rid of those bad feelings, right? As soon as possible, you're feeling bad. So let me get you the toy. Yes. You're feeling bad. So let's say we're sorry and move on. Right. But Mm -hmm. as you were saying, even the beginning of the podcast, that when we're forcing that to happen, they're actually not learning anything valuable. I mean, I would go as far as saying that it's cruel to kids Mm -hmm. to think that they're challenging feelings are so scary for us that we have to fix them because Mm. they go off to college, they go off into the world, and then they have these hard moments and there's nobody there to fix them. And what a a gift it would be if they could go, oh God, okay, this is one of those moments. I've been, I've had them and I'm going to have more of them, but they're temporary. Mm -hmm. And they're not something that would panic my, my, the person who loves me the most in the world doesn't get scared when I have those feelings. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a service. So it actually serves us as parents so that we don't get into our site, you know, spinning out into the story of awful futures. Mm-hmm. And it's also a service to our kids because they now have this familiar comfort with the rainbow of feelings that exist in the world. Mm. I think that's beautifully said. So can Easier you finish- said than done. Oh, well, <laughs> Easier said than done for sure, because yes, because they're human and we're human. And speaking of human, (laughs) finish the sentence. In order to raise good humans, we must. Know ourselves. Hmm. Okay, expand. We kind of get so fixated on raising good humans, but really much of work with parents is our own self-regulation. Like if you want to know how to raise a kid who's self-regulated, what do you need? What's the biggest, like most highly correlated environmental influence on self-regulation for kids, whether their parent is self-regulated. So I think raising good humans is really like, you know, it's not really about kids. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's like, okay. Raising good adults. Raising it's, good adults. Yes. Raising myself. And, and we're, we're a work in progress. We're right. all, we're all in this. We, we just came to, in my, I mean, it's not my opinion. I think it's like, if anybody that really thinks about it, you are born as a parent the day that you have your baby. Mm. So you're new at this too. We're all kind of new at growing this. But I do think for raising good humans, we have to have some understanding of ourselves, our hopes and dreams, our goals, what what our, I hate the word triggers, but triggers are, so that we can parent our kids in a way that supports them. Mm, mm, mm. 
What would you say is our your top tip? What would you hope people come away with from this podcast, from the work you do, from listening to what you are saying here and on your own podcast? What would you hope people come away with when they say, I'm I'm gonna go into my house, I'm gonna raise good humans? <laughs> What's like the top tip you hope they come away with? That you just have to get it right more often than not. Mm. And that's not it. Not all the time. Not all the yeah, time. Not all the and time. And it, it's so true. Like mm. it's definitely not just, I would say it's important to not get it right all of the time. Because again, what kind of a message is that? That, that would basically mm. be saying there is a, there is a path to perfection. You're not, you're not, <laughs> you're not enough. honest. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think just knowing more often than not that you've got this and the rest of the time that you're self-compassionate and feel same with the kids. Like mm -hmm. we just have to get it right more often than not. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. And then give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you and the work you're doing? Um, you can go to my podcast on um, Raising Good Humans. It's mm -hmm. on wherever you get your podcasts. I also have a Substack newsletter drlisapressman.substack.com, right? I think you just go to Substack and do it in the search bar. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'll have a book out next year. So exciting. I know. Like January, 2024. January, 2024. January, 2024. Whoop, yeah. January, 2024. And there are also a lot of free resources on the Mount Sinai Parenting Center website, but that is for the zero to five set. So it doesn't, so it's mm -hmm. for the littles, but it's really wonderful resources. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited. I got to talk to you today. I mean, I feel like we could talk about all kinds of things, like any topic, like let's go, let's go, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Um, it's just been really fun to listen to you and uh, anybody who's listening right now, I will write down uh, all of these links and have them on the show notes. So don't worry if you're out running. Yeah. around town, running, actually getting good some exercise, going to pick up the kids, whatever you're doing. We got you. And I just want to thank you, uh, Dr. Aliza, for being on the show today and sharing your wisdom on how to raise good humans. I think, I think at the end of the day, it's really, you know, we, we, when we hear these words and we think there's, there is a pathway to doing it. I think what you've shared with us is there is no one pathway. And there also- is. If there's no perfect pathway and that's all good. You can mess up and you can rise up and you can try again and we can show our kids that they can do that too. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good advice. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so nice. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Agreed. Thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. You can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page on Facebook. We can chat about it. DrRobinSilverman.com or on Twitter under Dr. Robin. I'm also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. I'm going to be going back and forth with Dr. Aliza and we are going to have some great memes because boy, did she say some good things today. We're going to put them on those memes. You can share them with friends, right? We want to make sure we have that labeled right on into our head that we can make mistakes, that we can try again, that we have our North Star. So many good things that were said today. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it. I know Dr. Aliza knows the more we get those five-star reviews, the better off it is for everybody because it gets great exposure for our podcast and great exposure for our guests. Dr. Aliza deserves some great exposure for all those 
amazing thought she had <clears throat> and all those helpful tips, great takeaways. We want more people to be able to use them. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, you can go to drrobinsilverman.com. And don't forget, I have a book coming out in September, September 2023 called how to talk to kids about anything. Kind of hard to forget that one because that's what you're listening to right now. And if you want the show notes to this podcast, it'll be right there up on my website under Dr. Robin Silverman. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. I bet you heard some things today and you're thinking, mm, I have messed up a bunch of times. That's okay. We all have messed up a bunch of times and it's not easy, but there's always tomorrow. Parenting often provides that ultimate do-over. So I see you and I'm right there with you. And anything you heard today, you can go back, you can apply it. You could say, hey, can we have that conversation again? Oop, remember, I got to remember how to frame this behavior. Okay, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to try again. You can use those Dr. Aliza words. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman. We've had to talk to kids about anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through been listening to how to talk to kids about anything with dr robin silverman for more information on books articles speaking engagements or curriculum please visit drrobinsilverman.com